When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. We're here to entertain you we'll sing your songs for good times the best times you can't go wrong we'll two-step a new step it won't be long when the dixielands are playing soon you'll be swaying so come on sing along Welcome to another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Gelsey Laurie. Why did I operatically welcome you to this week? Well, because I get to be joined by Carolina Alvarez, who is a filmmaker and co-host of the podcast Femme Regard, to talk about the opera Carmen. Enjoy! Hailing from the Garrettscape, welcome one and all to Masters of the Media. In a land of pop culture podcasts, I, filmmaker Garrett Briones, and my quote-unquote co-host Jack Watson look at the why of the stories we love and figure out why they connect with us. The show is all about loving the media you love and appreciating the underappreciated. It's a celebration of storytelling and also two pals making each other laugh at random impressions and the silliest things you can imagine. You can find Masters in the Media on all your favorite podcatchers and right here on the Geekscape Network. We hope to see you all on the Garrettscape. Okay, Carolina, I'm very, thank you so much for joining us today. It's actually Carolina, if you can roll your R's. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> Carolina. Where, what's, what's the ethnicity or background of that? Yeah, so I'm first generation here in America. My mom is from Poland and my dad is from Colombia. 
Awesome. Which I influences have been to a Columbia. lot of my love and appreciation for opera, I guess. <laughs> and why yeah, I was sense. not a normal child growing up. Yeah. <laughs> Join <laughs> the party. Not normal at all here. No, no one's normal, but like, you know. This is true. <laughs> Especially if we, any entertainment, arts, you know, if yeah. you have any finger in that, then we're just oddballs. But yay. All right. Yeah. So this is awesome. The opera Carmen is what we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. where to even begin like tell me why you picked this yeah so I think I it was funny enough I read like what Matt had like texted me really quick like what I needed to center a topic on and I think the first what I got out of it was like what were some things growing up that you were obsessed with so I was Mm -hmm. like okay birds I was the weird like I thought I was going to be an ornithologist or however you pronounce it because I had a pet bird growing up and like I loved reading eyewitness books and that's a whole nother tangent. So I was like, okay, I don't really want to talk about that on the podcast. Cause that was a very weird thing that I shouldn't tell people like about myself, but there was that. And then I was thinking about, you know, music. I, I was just, I grew up singing and dancing. I studied musical theater in college. So I was thinking about like my musical influences. And then when he said, oh, like, you know, from decades ago, I was like, oh, well, that's literally what I was obsessed with growing up was opera, jazz, um, like, I was telling you, my parents are not from this country. So like their cultural like music was was very much a heavy influence on my my Mm -hmm. childhood and what I grew up listening to. Like I learned who Britney Spears and NSYNC was like on the playground. Like that's where I like understood right. pop culture. So like everything else was just totally different, I think, than what someone normally like grew up listening to. Mm. That's awesome though. I think it's very enriching to have, because everyone can get Britney yeah. Spears and NSYNC. Yeah, and they're legends in themselves. And, um, but I think it, it really, I, it was really cool actually thinking about why Carmen, the opera, like you said, why more so to me. And I realized like, wow, like she was the first kind of strong female character that I was exposed to as a, as a young, mm. young girl. Like she was the first femme fatale, but like, um, and looking more into this, like just overall in opera, she's like the strongest female character that you'll find in the mm-hmm. way um, she is in her nature, but just overall, like, yeah, like what she, what she wants is what she gets. And that's, that was always really cool to me. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I love, I think it's such, I always reflect on kind of like who the female characters in my life were. And it is like when you're like, wow, I was, I watched this when I was six or seven and these were the women I was looking up to. And you kind of realize, wow, that shapes me so much. And even, even with Disney, I was talking to a friend how, you know, there's all the Disney princesses and we're kind of of that generation where we still got the tail end of the, I'm asleep and I need a prince to come kiss me. But we started getting the, at least for me, it's like Mulan was mm. my, you know, she was huge for me, huge. And then uh, Megara from Hercules was one of my favorites. And she was that strong, like, I'm fine. I can take care of myself. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, even yeah. from a cartoon world. But yeah, so can you give us like, and you don't have to be pressured to make it perfect, like a sentence or two synopsis of what Carmen is about. Yeah, no worries. I did a whole Google Doc because that's just the producer. I normally do like all handwritten. Yeah, I've got like pages of notes every time. I'm like, chicken scratch. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm that is me when I'm not. I was just like, oh my gosh, okay. Lots of I I wanted to get it right. And it is a interesting story. So just briefly, um, it's set in the 1830s in Seville, Spain. 
Um, and this is a French opera. So it's really interesting that it was actually based mm -hmm. on a French novel that they then adapted. And I'm talking about Georges Bizet, Carmen, which I think is the only version. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, a, it's, I guess, ironic that this is the quintessential Spanish woman, but it is all in French and written by Frenchmen. So, um, kind of like the romanticized yeah. idea of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of start the the first opening scene is set in the in town. She's like, she's known as the prostitute, and she's seducing all these men, but just like playing with them, which is again something I thought was always fun. Like she she like really had power in her body and she didn't like wasn't throwing in like a way to beg for money like she was like commanding that room you know mm -hmm. so she's like flirting around and then um that is when oh i don't know if you could hear this but everyone should be familiar maybe with this tune can you hear this mm -hmm. so are you familiar with that sound at all? oh yeah oh yeah so that's that's the opening scene and then i don't think she... i realized that was from carmen because I, I know that is like, you know, like cannons going off and like, dun, 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 you know, it's like the big kind of like shabam and whoops. Exactly. Yeah. And so many like cartoons and other like films. Yeah, like, that's, I know all this from Looney Tunes. I mean, Bugs Bunny is. Looney Tunes, exactly. Another childhood <laughs> love of mine. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, so that's like how that starts. And then she goes into uh, the Habanera, which is, mm -hmm. this, if everyone knows. So she's she's singing this sexy dance and then she gets in a knife fight with a woman. Yeah, like again, she's just very like strong and and kind of fiery. Love that. And so she gets in a knife fight with this woman and then this officer, his name is Jose, he tries to break them apart. Well, he's ordered to arrest her for this knife fight and he doesn't want to because um, she was flirting with him, but he was trying to not to care. Like she's feeding him a flower and he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like I, he's a spoken for man, but he definitely, you know, he, he kind of tucks that flower Catches away. And, <laughs> yeah. And he feels like he can't, um, he, he can't arrest her, which ends up putting him in jail because he breaks his breach of duty. So dun, dun, dun. A month later, like he's in jail. Carmen's free. And while he's in jail, like Carmen's bored. And so this bullfighter Escamillo arrives and he's flirting with Carmen. And she's kind of like, well, like, you know, her heart is for Mr. Don Jose, but she she like can't help but enjoy this attention. But she she tries to ignore him. And then Jose's released from jail. And she wants him to run away with her now that he's out of jail, but he feels that he um, needs to go back to his line of duty and join the army because they had this fight going on that night. And she's like, no, well, um, you must not love me enough. And then he reveals that he saved that flower when she first tossed that out to him. So he's like, she's like, oh, okay, so you do care, but still like run away with me. And <laughs> so in that moment when they're chatting, a lieutenant returns to arrest Carmen because she never got caught. And then Jose decides to like attack everyone on her behalf. And so then they, he's forced to run away with her. So this man right, you know, okay. does, does it. He does it. He breaks away, runs away. They're in the mountains. And um, 
well, poor Jose. <laughs> Carmen, I know. Get- I was like, this opera's never end well. I was like, when does someone die? Or like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, she she gets bored of him up in the mountains. <laughs> She's just like, you know, the the habanera stands for um, when she sings in the beginning is love is a rebellious bird that none can tame. This bird theme. It's like, you know, stuck with me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? And so she's just like, that's just kind of the theme. Like love maybe can't be tamed and neither can she. And you shouldn't try to also tame a woman either. Like, you know, there's like all this stuff that we can like look into the, these lines, like feminist lines that we have here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she, she tells him to go home to his mother and, um, you know, it's not working and, and he does. And then that's what I tell she, boys when I'm done with them. Go home to your mother. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start. Imagine. <laughs> that was lovely, but go home to your mother now. Go home to your mother. I'm bored. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> thanks for dinner. Imagine. And then Escamillo arrives and invites everyone to his next bullfight before he leaves. So they must have like kind of gone back to town and she noticed that. And then pretty much get this is towards the end um she gets you know Escamillo has the bullfighter has had his eye set on her and and ends up taking escorting her to the fight with him which then Jose sees outside the arena and he like kind of sneaks up on her and like begs Carmen to come back and come away with him but she refuses, saying that she is born free and and will die free. And in a jealous rage, Jose stabs her to death while the crowd inside the arena cheers Escamillo to victory. And then she ends up dying in the arms of Escamillo. But the takeaway is she dies free. And she, those were her decisions. <laughs> and you and shouldn't kill. Ladies and gentlemen, the moral of this story is don't throw roses out to strangers. Just don't do that. You don't, don't throw don't roses out because you're going to get stabbed. Like you're going to get stabbed. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I was waiting for the big death ending. I was like, who's yeah. getting stabbed? She does. Okay. Yeah. Those she, she ends up rough. dying this epic death, but it is epic. And, that's and they're always like singing all. while they die where it's this, that's like the highest oh, note they reach is their, <laughs> I, um, I saw La Boheme in, it's the only opera I've ever seen is La Boheme. Oh. And I was in Vienna at the time and we were there and we're like, we have to go see the opera in Vienna. Wow. Thank goodness I had seen and knew Rent so well, because for those of you who don't know, the musical Rent is based on the opera La Boheme. So I was kind of trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, I think that's Roger, that's Mimi. Cause like it, we didn't get subtitles at all. So it was, I really honestly could say, oh I didn't gosh. know what was going on except a little bit, but um, her death scene was like, gosh, 10 minutes. And she kept like, like, Ooh, and, then, <clears throat> and then it was <laughs> like, she would like keep like not dying. And I'm like, oh my God, bitch die. Like, I had one of those, like, my only experience at the operas. You know when you're not supposed to laugh. It's like those quiet Mm -hmm. moments in church kind of things when Uh you can't laugh. And that's when you have the biggest laughing fit. You can't help it. It happened to me at the opera. And I was literally shoving my winter coat in my mouth because it was the only thing that would stop me from going, like, and it wasn't the death thing. It was something else. I forget. It just, anyways, that's my, that's my opera experience. But yeah, Carmen, I do, I would love to, I need to see this at least live would be amazing but because the music I didn't realize how much I knew of it yeah like if you so a note that I made here one of my the films that I did grow up watching is Carmen 1984 which is probably one of the best camera versions because it was also the first version um to use text 
dialogue in between the musical numbers mm-hmm. rather than just it all be singing the whole time. Yeah. So it was kind of like, yeah, more of a film and you can like definitely understand the story and follow along with, with oh, subtitles. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That one that I really like loved because um, also the singer and the voice is she's just incredible. Um, so I yeah. do recommend that film. <laughs> Okay, I will check that out then, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I need to dive more into opera. Like, that's not my... Phantom of the Opera was, for a long time, like, really my only... Oh, my God, same. ...exposure to it, I think, a lot of us. But it, it's a nice, because it's, like, that rock opera-y... Yeah, I mean, thing. it's not for everyone, and I get why. Yeah. Like, it's, it's first of all, you have to, like, be able to withstand that kind of sound. Like, <laughs> it is, like, a it's lot. It's a lot. I'm not going to lie. I love it, but I don't think I could, like, put on a whole album. I'd be like, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I definitely just have moments because again I grew up with it and I think when you grow up with something and have this like love unique love and appreciation for it, mm-hmm. it you understand and I understand it better for that reason like absolutely that's how classical music is that for me which can lead into oh, opera yeah. but I grew up with ballet like intense I was a bun head um and so classical music for me is very comforting inspiring it's because I grew up with it and it's I can understand the ballets I can yeah so I, I get that there for sure yeah yeah no I same thing like I I think classical just across the board I grew up with ballet I played classical piano for 12 years mm-hmm. I like all of that so and they all kind of sing together and again I feel like with Carmen I just just her unique like strong female energy was just like whoa that's like that's kind of baller in the mm-hmm. opera world. so when did this Get, when did the first opera um, get performed of Carmen? Do you know or it got about performed when it came out? Um, in? It premiered in Paris in 1875. And fun fact, it w- did not premiere well. <laughs> that and, was going to be my next question because this is a very racy, yeah, kind of subject as well, and it's very like whoa, and for that time too. It's, yeah, it was. Um, one critic, and I have a note here, in Paris was shocked by the drastic realism of action. So I guess also mm. like all that fighting and stabbing and, you know, the bull fighting and all of that, I think was was um, probably like a shocker. And yeah, the content of who she was. So I think it's first per- performance when it opened in England, which I don't have the date, or no, in June 1878. So just a couple years later, it looks like, after mm-hmm. when it premiered in England, um, it started to, that's when it grew like this enormous popularity. But I think that's cool. It's like cult films, you know, like, it's Ex- like I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. They don't do well at first. And then it years later kind of has this huge following and then they become a classic. Exactly. And I was like, wait, that's really cool. Like Mm -hmm. that happens, I guess, of course it happens across like the board and art, you know, or even like- Yeah. And across time too. It's not just like something now and yeah, it's even then. And I think sometimes that shows not like, oh, it's so artsy and deep people aren't ready for it, but it kind of is. It's (laughs) like, I think things that do that, it's like, it's going to take some people a while to get to like it and grow and be like, oh my God, this is amazing because- most people do kind of like a more shallow, like give the people what they want. This is that, whether it be just like a good action film and the hero wins the end or give us the rom-com or the get together. Everyone immediately is like, Oh, it was a great movie. But the ones that are a little more 
kind of bizarre. Like even a Tarantino film, I think now everyone knows going into a Tarantino film what they're getting into. They're like, I know what to expect. But in the beginning or, you know, it's those kind of like, what the hell did I just watch? Right. It takes a while. But then you're like, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I think that's that's true art when it takes longer to reflect and decide if you like it. Yeah, because I was listening to another um, podcast this morning on a film and they were talking on the subject of documentaries and how like mm-hmm. I guess a lot of them. I, I you know what? No, I wouldn't say a lot of them, but what I took away from that conversation was it's the, the ones that don't have their um, objective, like so spoon fed to you, but allow mm-hmm. you or as the viewer to decide like, what your take or view on a certain like subject matter or what, you know, what they're showing you, they don't like purposely with the music and with everything, make you feel exactly what you need to feel or, you know, or like Mm -hmm. you said, something that's so comfortable and you're like, okay, like this is easy. I think that makes kind of the, the better work, the better work that's Mm -hmm. done can make you decide how you want to feel about it. And that's why I think a lot of art house films, like, the more experimental they they really like are like you're either gonna hate or love it but we're not gonna try and like fit a certain mold or an agenda that we yeah have. this is this is what I'm bringing and this is what I want to tell and it's I'm fine if no one likes it I'm gonna stay true to what yeah that's and it always I was I want to say a few episodes ago I can't remember I think Matt and I were talking about like kind of the you decide endings and I know Inception is always like my example and we were talking about that but I was like or oh. like the ending of Inception where you're like, wait, is he dreaming or not? And it's still, I talk about it a lot because it drives me fucking nuts. Cause I'm like, I want to know what, but it's kind of up to your interpretation. And I used to even write, you know, like in fifth and sixth grades when your writing assignments weren't like thesis papers, they were like, write a story. All my stories, I was so into shock value. Like one was like this medieval story where like the lover dies and then this, old creepy troll comes and the woman like stabs herself to death. And like, I was like writing this at like 10 years old, like, dee, dee, dee. like, yeah. and I, but I loved, and I left it open where it was like, did he kill her? Did he not? And my teacher um, had to talk to my parents. Actually, I wrote too many really, really dark stories. Like one a child gets abducted. One girl's like has the worst eating disorder to get to what ends up in a hospital. And he's like, is she okay? And I was like, I'm fine. But I, so I've always been attracted to that kind of not on the beaten path, like off, what you were saying kind of you decided it, it has always intrigued me since I was young yeah and like mm-hmm. attributing this opera to like even a Tarantino film like that are very graphic and like gory for the most part very lots of blood but he does it too in his own like theatrical way that you could almost mm-hmm. compare that to an opera you know the blood it does it's not real looking right it's like right. that blood, like blood like it's just like gushing like from the out. Adams family when <laughs> Yes, when they yes. do the performance at school and the blood's like spraying out. It's always what I think of. Yeah. <laughs> There's like that comedic like take on it, which I can almost like compare it like the, the kind of opera drama, drama comedy. Cause it's still like very theatrical. So I can only mm-hmm. imagine what they were doing on stage. Like, God, I wish I could like see it because it'd be really curious. I'd be really curious to see like how they did special effects yeah (laughs) Yeah. it would be and i so this opera's still being performed today yeah for sure i mean i missed it um when i was studying in new york they were they were doing it at the met opera and they still do it today i mean if they do it at the la opera i'll for sure go 
I saw the La Traviata there and that one was hilarious. So I still have a love and appreciation. You just gotta like, I feel like get lucky and go to the one that, you know, is is like has, has comedy or something. Cause that one was just funny. Like everyone yeah. was over the top and just like making jokes and it was, it's a good time. Because <laughs> yeah, it seems like the performances they do now of operas are pretty authentic to what they would have performed when it opened. It doesn't yeah. seem like they kind of add in these high technological things. It seems like it's very true to the art of being this over the top yeah. theatrical, like, well, we're going to be like Carmen. We're going to be free. Yeah. We're going to be wild and free. And that's like, I think the, this is the Carmen theme takeaway. What we like, you know, I'm not, I told you, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not like super, super like nerdy about operas, but I just feel like her overall theme is something I found that I like to write about in my films. Like mm-hmm. I love a femme fatale character oh, and that like, archetype is just like what I try to use or also try to make different and how it relates to me and like mm-hmm. what I'm going through. Cause there's like, yeah, I really love trying to find like a modern archetype to these things that we like grew up watching and, and loving or like, well, okay, well, what does that look like today? Because now our, our perspectives have changed and like, we're trying to change more of them, you know, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a really fun place to work in. So she's definitely, it was really cool to be introspective, like in prepara- preparing for this podcast to think about, okay, like, wow, I didn't, I didn't ever put that together until like now I'm like, yeah, no wonder. Like she's always mm-hmm. been this thing. And before the pandemic, I was working actually on a modern noir and I wanted to have the opening femme fatale character uh sing the the habanera which tbd <laughs> that will happen cool. okay. but I didn't, I didn't, like inspired not i probably not that song but just like I, i'm really excited because i want that film to feature a femme fatale and a home fatale so both a male and female like fatale characters to have mm-hmm. them both like be threatening each other in the film so that's uh that's something i'm excited to play with and again i think it comes from I know it comes from this opera because that's just what inspired me to write that what's up everybody this is Brian here to tell you about our podcast Bingetown TV our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television we cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi but also dip our feet into drama horror comedy and pretty much anything we think is good television we use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week but our calling card is our rooks and vets and pitch town tv series rooks and vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show pitch town tv is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest if you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so awesome. I love, yeah, it is fun to reflect on things that you love. And that's why I love this podcast so much too, is, yeah. you know, it's constantly, I'm going into things that I know I love. And then I go, oh, that's, that's like how you make a Gelsey cocktail. Like, and it's just, I didn't realize <laughs> these ingredients that I'm like, oh gosh, this, this molded me so strongly. And especially at a young age, if you find these things, that's when you're so influential and it's like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. 
No shit. No shit. Yeah. It's funny, actually, this is kind of a a side story, but it has to do with Carmen. Um, My sister played piano. We both played classical piano growing up, but I quit way before she did because I was like, I don't like this. I didn't like my teacher. And but she would play Carmen. And that was kind of one of her go to songs, um, the Habanera. And yeah, there was one time we we would watch Rosie O'Donnell every day, her talk show, the Rosie O'Donnell show. And she was doing I think it might've been breast cancer awareness month. And so she went and got a mammogram and she was making this big episode on like making awareness of mammograms. So she had a challenge or you could set, you know, she'd have things like send in this or send in that. So she was like, write a song about getting a mammogram and we'll feature someone or whatever. And so we wrote one, my sister would always play that. And so I would sing it and I'm like, seven maybe seven or eight max and we wrote lyrics to it about getting a mammogram it was if you are 40 and not a man then go and get yourself a mammogram take your sister by the hand and go get yourself a mammogram a mammogram a mammogram and I forget the rest of it um but and I'm like seven years old singing this song to Carmen and so every time I hear this song I can't not sing the lyrics about getting a mammogram that is we should have sent it in most funny thing I've ever heard. I was not expecting that. That is Yeah, no, hilarious. I know. It's definitely like goes in a different I was like we should go viral. <laughs> like, I know. I'm I'm sad. I wonder if she remembers the rest of the lyrics because I know we had like the whole song written. Which is funny because now I have a YouTube channel and I very on and off it, but my last like five videos I did were all parody songs where I just rewrite lyrics to uh-huh. common songs. And I didn't realize I was like, Oh yeah, I guess we've been doing it since I was little. <laughs> Yeah, that's how old were you? Probably seven. Oh my god, seven or eight. Yeah, that's hilarious. Did you even know what a mammogram was? That's when I learned because we would watch mm-hmm. Rosie and she was talking. I think Rosie saying basically did the hokey pokey, but she's like, You put your left boob in, you put your left boob out. <laughs> that was like her mammogram song. And so then my mom explained, I was like, well, What's that? And she's like, Oh, and explained the whole process. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So that is so funny. Song to Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> I love so that. this opera though is written on the novel. Was the novel at all? I know sometimes they're inspired by true people. And so are these characters at all inspired by anyone that was real? I like tried to figure that out and like I did mm-hmm. research, but all it said it was just, that it was just based on this book and it's based okay, on yeah, Carmen yeah. herself. <laughs> Okay. I'm like sure there's a Carmen out there that yeah I know, I know. Right? and when it oh, it's no. so hard when things are you know it's like the opera's based on the novel and then it's like you're going back in time and it's like things aren't recorded as easily as they are now we have everything where it's that can be hard to find but yeah exactly the the uh I started by another Frenchman I can't pre- do you speak French or studied it at all I used to I like spoke decent French for six months in my life. And I lived in Montreal for five months. So when I was there, I was like, okay. And then I thought I was going to be in France for two years and I wasn't. And then it all, I lost everything. It's hard when you're not living in the country. I asked. It sucks. Yeah. My pronunciation of these things. I I can't pronounce this man's name. Prosper. Who knows? Perfect. That's it. You nailed it. That's it. (laughs) Except. A fun story. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up playing piano and taking voice lessons. And for one of my like studies, I wanted to learn um, La Habanera. 
and I, so I, I grew up uh, taking Spanish classes, but not French. So I think it was my senior year of high school. I would like go bug the French teacher at the high school and like during my lunchtime and just like have her try to go um, through all the words with me and like phonetically best as I could, like write the pronunciations <laughs> so I could learn how to sing it. And like, thank God for her. Cause I was just like, I knew she probably was like, why am I doing this right now? But I'm like, I had my music, <laughs> like sheet music with me. And I'm like, please help me. <laughs> no, she was so sweet. Shout out to the lovely French teacher at Morristown High School. Forget your name, but c'est bon, merci. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I know. Like now, it's just like so. It 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 was hard. It was a hard one to learn. And also, fun fact: my my voice teacher said I could never play the role because you have to be a true mezzo soprano. And at the time, I was just like a high soprano singer, I guess. And I'm like, but I don't get That's it. I can hit all those notes, so I can't sing. Like, you will never play that. common like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I props to you for being a soprano. I'm sure you can tell by my speaking voice. I am far from it. I have the lowest cadence, alto, sulky, give me a cigarette kind of voice. <laughs> So and opera, like I hear it and I'm like, oh, and I think maybe a part of me that's like, whatever is because there's just in no yeah. universe am I ever hitting any of those notes. Like their lowest note is too high for me. I'm all, <laughs> well, that was interesting for musical theater transitioning into that world. I like had to like learn to really build up my low register and mm -hmm. like belting took me years to like figure that out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if their listeners are like you know they understand the whole voice thing but like belting is like really strong like uh how would you describe it like i know i'm trying to think how to describe belting it's it's almost like when you hear like yelling in a song like kelly clarkson belts she's a belter yeah so yeah. like <laughs> you hear that jennifer hudson is a belter opera you're up in your like higher register where you're like Whoa! and it's like you can like feel it in your head and then low is obviously how i speak you guys and then belting, <laughs> you're like, like that like you know you get it yeah <laughs> I hope that, that's me as a muppet explaining singing. <laughs> no it's like right on track I've I performed it. I did end up learning the lyrics. And That's amazing. I like it. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh, I it's one of those things that I feel like through the through the years. Maybe I'm yelling more. <laughs> like my belt is now more much more stronger. I'm like losing my high high notes. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> it's hard. It's it's a muscle. If you I haven't sang in years. I mean, I sing like in the shower mm -hmm. and in my car, but I don't. Exactly. I used to take lessons. And now that I don't train it and I'm not doing the like exercises every day, I'm like, well, that's gone. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like if I do have to sing, like I have to take lessons and like really work out that muscle again. Oh yeah. I would have to put some work in. Work. And I don't, I love singing, but the work for it is like, it's kind of back to the reality of day to day. It's, it's not fun work to me. Like I would rather do burpees every day. And I did, I chose that route. And so I like physically <laughs> trained and I'll like have been in the gym for six hours a day. And like, I, I was a circus artist for years. So that's oh kind of like, I put all my training into being an aerialist. And so I literally did the pull-ups, my hands were ripped bleeding and I'm like, let's climb a rope with them bleeding. And like, that was the work I loved. And I was willing to do that, which a lot of people hate. Like 
I love working out until the feeling of I'm going to throw up and pass out. I'm like, yeah, like it gets me high. I don't know. It's crazy. That's but- amazing. And I think for listeners, your listeners who don't understand the physical training that goes into performance art, like opera and musical mm-hmm. theater, it is very much like being at the gym. Like you have to mm-hmm. train your body to within, like withstand that amount of power that you're trying to push from like your diaphragm and like all the breathing that goes into it. And then like, I mean, to the point where maybe you're passing out and trying not mm-hmm. to. Yeah, the breathing exercises are, yeah. Cause it's holding your breath, like to be able to sustain a note as long as they do, that's breath retention or put like, yeah. and it's even if, you know, if you guys can think about like talking and how much you have to, if you talk too fast, you have to keep taking a breath. It's being yeah. able to have a run on sentence with a sustained breath without it sounding like you're getting to the point of I'm not going to lose it. it. It's incredible. Like, yeah. Listening to singers that can just do that. I'm like, they do are that. Ooh, it gives me goosebumps. Like I will still have like a visceral physical reaction to someone performing. Like even in film, Mm -hmm. like like Coda that won the Oscars. I don't know if you saw it. I need to see that still. I didn't. I need to see it. Amazing. Um, A girl, young girl with living, growing up with an entire deaf family. And like she wants to be a singer. And anyway, she like... It's it's no Carmen. I wouldn't say she's giving like this <laughs> grand, but her voice is beautiful, 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 and still like just the work and dedication to putting on a performance because she she then trains and it's a discipline and and so like by the end when she's performing and again her voice is gorgeous is like I'm crying I'm like sobbing yeah <laughs> well it's like if you go on that journey with her it's like any movie that's like the journey to the performance the competition the fight whatever it may be when you feel like you were there with them from the beginning and through the struggles and the wow. training then it's like you kind of feel that mom and dad like I'm so proud of you like I know everything that you put in like and it is it's there's I mean I, you know we're girl. so used to Oh yeah, I'll cry at like the carol the carolers at the mall at like Christmas time. Like my boyfriend's looking over, he's like, "Why are you tearing?" I'm like, "Just because musical theater and they're just singing. It's so beautiful and it's providing so joy to everyone around yeah. me." Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I get it. I shit. like you know, like coming from that world, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not easy, and maybe that's not the, the ideal stage. Like they want to mm-hmm. be at, but they're still like doing an amazing job and putting, you know, putting themselves up there, up there. Yeah, Cause like, they love performing. It's like, they love the art so much that even if it's like, this doesn't pay well, I'm singing at a mall. Yeah. That's not the dream. But like the dream at the end of the day is to get perform. money performing your art and they are doing it. And I, I think there's a huge stigma these days of like, Oh, like you do that job or like, well, I'm, you know, everyone, it's like, in New York, it's very Broadway or bust is the mentality where it's kind of like anything below Broadway is like, mm, that's cute. Or like, oh, you're climbing that ladder still. And it's the only thing. It's like you've only made it if you've made it there on Broadway. And there is that kind of air. And then a little bit in TV and film, I feel like it's just kind of that like, well, what's the last set you were on? What's this? And it's it's this kind of nose up like, mm. And there's a lot of theme parks in California, um, for those of you who don't know. And a lot of us perform at theme parks. I currently do. That was my first job ever. I'm at Disney now. Um, and it's a great solid gig. And some people will kind of like, oh, like I'm not auditioning for that show. That's I'm not like they think they're above theme parks. And I'm like, but actually you're waiting tables right now and I'm paying my bills by doing what I love. I'm performing at, at the end of the day. I'm like, what's the difference if I'm getting fulfilled, getting to entertain people, I get to make people smile and they're happy. 
okay, this is a successful career. I'm performing what I don't understand. So it's, I don't like that kind of stigma that people have of, because everyone thinks they're better than everyone else. And it's, uh, you know, with social media, we all have to be better than everyone else. It's a competition. And I'm like, just kind of go back to the theme of day to day. I'm like, just be happy, man. Just enjoy what you're doing. I'm going to die one day. We're going to give a rose to a stranger one day and then they are going to stab us. So enjoy your life. <laughs> yes. Do not give roses to strangers. We cannot stress this enough on this episode. Don't Please. give roses to strangers. Like you're going to get stabbed. Carmen <laughs> taught us. Carmen taught us well. Like live my life by her now. Do you have any, I, I just thought of this, but uh, performances yeah. in movies, like of operas performed in any films, like I'll tell you my example that I thought of. I love the opera number performance in Fifth Element, that the oh, Blue Alien. Have you seen this? No. Oh my god, it's so good. It's one of my favorite movies. 1997, Matt said it came out in 97, and oh. there's this kind of blue alien opera singer who's the main like grand debut on this um, elegant ship that they're on and it's it's an incredible and you just youtube that performance um it's not very long but it's a kind of cool classic opera but they bring in some cool like backbeats with it where it's and then at the same time Mila Jovovich is doing this like badass fight and so they like are going back and forth between the opera singer and this like awesome fight scene which I was a stunt woman um that's why I came back to California from circus was to do stunts so any good like action scene I'm like yes like shut up no good to know good so good you have to watch it you have to watch it yeah oh my god yes because um the feature that my co-producer Tess and I are working on is a sci-fi psychological thriller set in a sci-fi world is how we like to properly say it, but psychological thriller sci-fi and doing research on different sci-fi films that had existed. This one came up for me. That's why that the, the uh, photo cover art looks familiar, but now I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have to like watch this tonight. (laughs) You have to watch it. It's so even like, it's like the two minutes I'm talking about, but that, Oh. little opera number is probably and she there's one point like the note she, I've never heard an opera singer I mean you might have because you're a little more exposed in that world but like from the low to high her register I'm like this is unreal and literally she plays an alien so I'm like I, proven point aliens singers that can sing that high aliens <laughs> yeah I can't remember of a specific opera moment I don't know I feel like that was something where I was drawn to I want to create something that has that opera but modern so that's why I'm dying now to watch this like kind of Mm -hmm. duo because I think if it's done in the right way it could be more popular or just like interesting Mm -hmm. like oh I want to I want to see more of that I think another film because we were talking earlier about films that kind of have that open ending and then I just keep wanting to know the answers and research and has a musical almost Carmen like that the character kind of looks almost Carmen-esque to me was the, 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 the movies Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. They're in a theater and it's kind of like almost, I think a dream. It's not even real life. Like we have to question it. Um, but yeah, she, there's this uh, woman singing a song in Spanish and it's very sad. And like, you're feeling very sad for her. Um, but you don't understand, at least I'm pretty sure you can't understand what she's saying exactly. But the the characters are reacting to her performance. And that that always like, again, I love how music evokes emotion, even in other languages like operas. You don't 
I don't fully understand exactly what they're saying all the time, even with subtitles, you know, you're not catching everything, but you could really have mm-hmm. a voice, especially like a strong classical voice, like kind of t- like kind of mesmerize and take you away. Um, but yeah, Mulholland Drive in general. Almost the same way with like, that's, yeah. I gotta watch that again. That's it's the same with classical music though. I feel like it doesn't have any words and mm-hmm. I've cried listening to a song oh where it's just so overwhelmingly moving and or the orchestra and so it's you put a voice with that and even if you don't understand what they're saying it's the same there's nothing being said in the classical song with because no one's singing right. but it still can take you there where you're like why am I crying I'm not crying you're crying like I do it all the time and I'm like what is going on and yeah. it's just these like it's overwhelming and I I feel like for me I've never heard any music like classical which I would put opera obviously within the classical realm is there's no other genre that is that overwhelming and can just, you know, you can get emotional listening to any rock, pop, this, and that they do have, they're awesome. They can rev you up, make you feel sad. And, and they're totally there, but classical just, it's a whole different evoking, emotion evoking music. And yes, that's why film is mm-hmm. so powerful. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's why movie scores are, yep. So- movie scores are so Oh my gosh. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I mean, I love listening to movie scores. I'll listen to, you know, this, that I run sometimes I have different like playlists that I run to, and it depends what my mood is. Some might be more rock pop, this, that. And I have, it's literally musical score run. No way. And you put on Wonder Woman 1984. I run so fast. I like come home and like, think I'm going to suffocate on my own lungs. I'm like, ah, it's so like that music revs me up and I'm like, ah, I am Wonder Woman. I never but, thought to do that, to like run to like an action, like film mm-hmm. or something, you know what I mean? It's so fun. Oh, Cause then you like put yourself, at least for me. And I'm sure like, you're such a creative as well. Like I put myself in the scene. So I'm not running. I'm like, Oh, I'm running to that thing to, to beat their ass, to save the world. Like, and it works for me at least. Yeah. I love it. Take away a little takeaway. Yeah. Takeaway run to run to movie scores and don't give flowers to strangers. Um, is there any other final thoughts on Carmen that you're like, Oh, I didn't say this or. I guess my final thought is that, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those operas that resonate me for the strong Carmen character and I know I already said that and that a million times um but just like to go on piggyback on with classical music in general like my other favorite composer is Chopin and he just like all his music just I grew up playing it but just in general like you really feel it and like I love that music is you don't have to understand it I think I think sometimes we, we want to just, and, and trust me, I like a spoon fed friends, the office kind of show where like, I get what's happening and, and like, there's no oh, yeah. for that, but if there's any classical haters out there. I encourage you to like, listen with open ears and, and <laughs> like, see where it, see what it makes you feel or where it takes you. For me, it like, if I'm stuck creatively for any creatives out there, it's like one of the best ways for me to work because it's not like, especially without lyrics, like you can mm-hmm. just kind of be with yourself, but have something giving you a little song sign while you're like sitting in your song mm-hmm. being creative. So, I mean, put on Chopin, Debussy is another favorite of mine. Um, or maybe, what, what? you know, feeling like some going to war, put on some Carmen. There might be some battles. There might be a little, some sexy moments in there. 
let's just see what happens. <laughs> love it. I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me on. This was really fun. And just like, again, like gave me a moment to be introspective and you know, I <laughs> don't have time for that. Yeah. So I, that was really, I know it's, we're all running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Yeah. So it is, it's nice to, it's nice to sit and just kind of reflect on yourself and also like where you come from yeah. in, in your choices and what you like, like, what you don't like, what you're motivated by. And yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, you learn a lot when you reflect. So yeah. Awesome. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun and, and best of luck on your move. Stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. All right, babe. So, Gelsey, when you guys were recording this episode, one of the things that kept jumping into my brain was how uncultured of a human being I am, because I'm pretty sure my introduction to this entire Broadway show was through an episode of Hey Arnold. It's not a Broadway show. It's an opera. Sorry. This... See, this is how uncultured I am. I don't even know Mm. the difference. Look at that. Huge points lost on me who claimed to be a musical theater fan. (laughs) But yeah, I I knew all these songs because of like Looney Tunes cartoons and and Hey Arnold. Oh, I was definitely introduced. I mean, the main songs I knew because of like Looney Tunes and which is why I think like Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes are so great because they introduced so much classical music to the world. And even... Uh, cartoons in general you said hey arnold like the muppets do it a lot because i mm-hmm. um it's how i don't i think you can become a very cultured person by watching cartoons yeah i agree look why would we you... know an opera like it's not fucking <laughs> 1867 and we're like oh we're going to the opera like Are it, it's not something we're being written i don't know i'm i'm not a big opera person so i'm I not really either don't know I'm, anything I'm just... about operas like, I'm just literally the opera is the most I've seen. Like because obviously, like we constantly hear about new musicals as they come out. I haven't heard of I, a new opera. I bet there are hip opera, rock operas. Those are still musicals. I'm sure, like at the Met, there's new ones. But again, I'm not. It's the same way that I'm not like into like. Is there a new painting out? Like I don't know. Like of course, every day there's being paintings, but like. <laughs> I love like, the idea of someone just like showing up at an art museum and be like, hey, what are the new paintings today? I'm trying to figure out which ticket I want to buy. Which, yeah, like, you know, it's like, of course, I'm sure. But I think it's also an art. And I like I could so be misspeaking right now that it's tradition to do operas that already exist to do the classics. It's like, OK, here's a great example. Ballet. There are many ba- new ballets being choreographed and created um, more shorts as well, but like everybody does Don Quixote, Sleeping Beauty, Firebird, Cinderella, Nutcracker, and we Swan Lake. And we just like keep doing that shit over and over and over. Different choreography, maybe sometimes, but and so I think it's like that with opera where you get Carmen, La Boheme, and those are the only operas I know of. <laughs> it's probably, <laughs> so and I, I imagine it's probably really difficult with both of those because they're not on the same scale as like musical theater. You know what I mean? Like there are people who are die hard. They're going to show up. They're going to go to every Broadway show. It's probably really hard to get the financing 
to justify oh, I was gonna say, a new... to get people to come back and see more than one show without falling asleep. Oh, come on. <laughs> Just you're kidding. Being... I'm being so I'm being a joke. I'm being funny. I'm joking. But I'm joking. but you know what I mean? Like it's probably a really bad investment to a lot of people. <laughs> like Yeah. I don't think there's as big as, you know, it's I think it's a very upper class like oh, we go to the opera. Like yeah. it's it's not as accessible and I do think it's a money game. And I think putting on an opera is expensive. Like part of the game of of an opera is the overly expansive exquisite sets and costumes and it's it's all about like kind of like a ridiculous parade of like we're gonna bring this giant fake elephant on stage kind of a you know like it's beautiful but that's part of the art and that's expensive yeah and i also would say that another kind of strike against it and this is gonna sound like i'm downplaying people who do musicals but like you can do a small theater production of a musical. You can do a high school production of a musical because like at the end of the day, not all musicals have a demand for the most like musically proficient singers in every single role versus opera. It's like, you need to be like such a top tier. Like you Mm -hmm. don't have the ability to be like, Oh, it's this high school production of like, I would avoid a high school production of Carmen, like the plague, but I'll go see a bunch of high schoolers do little shop of horrors because like, Hey, it's probably going to be fun. You know? like Totally. I totally agree. Yeah. You, you, you can't, you have to have the talent. You can't pull it off of, yeah, your local theater or that's not really how opera works. It's, you can't expect to go to a local theater and be like, okay, so who can stand on one hand on someone else's head versus (laughs) we can do this dance number and we can just dumb it down and still make it cute, but it doesn't have to be like, yeah, it's kind of like that. So, well, if the audience listening thinks that we are completely wrong and just be smirching the beautiful, beautiful uh, genre that is. Oh, it's beautiful. uh, Where, where can they uh, vent to us? Yeah, please vent about how uncultured we are on Facebook. Just search before my time will pop up and be like, you guys are fucking idiots. Opera's great. That's not what we're saying. We said opera's great. We just don't know much about it. Or you can do this on Instagram at before my time underscore podcast. You can DM us and be like, you guys are fucking idiots. Opera's great. (laughs) Which again, we didn't say that. Like, I don't know why you keep saying that because we're saying opera's great. We're just saying we just are not that cultured into it. So you can be like, oh my God, you guys are not fucking cultured. And we'd be like, yeah, we agree help us. Also, you can give us a five-star review and be like, they are such a great podcast because they're so uncultured, but this will help get them out and get more people to culture them. I don't know, something like that. I'm pretty sure we're fucking cultured as fuck. So thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate it so much. I love each and every one of you cultured, ladies and gentlemen, and please join us next week. Yay!
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.